0: And that's uh, the brand new heavies after forever. And thank you for tuning in. It's Lifetime Live with me, Chris Alda Dudumash, and uh, invite you uh, to join us in conversation. And uh, we are at S F M Radio. You can hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. Your SMS is at 40938 charged at 150 and your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107 and also taking your calls on 0891-104-207 the do's and don'ts are post-divorce or whilst you're going through divorce as a couple oftentimes emotions flare and uh, you end up making very costly financial practical and emotional decisions um, that are going to lead you in uh, more greater uh, challenges and uh, joining us uh, to help us uh, just uh, understand uh, what we are uh, able and not able to do. And I know for a fact that one of those dons is don't, don't fall pregnant. And uh, joining us is Moya Rousseau, who is a uh, director of uh, Family Law. Good afternoon and welcome, Moya.
1: Hi, Lisejo, How
0: are you doing? All right. Uh, Lisejo is one of our producers <laughs> who's actually not even in. I'm Chris Alda. I'm great. Hi, Thank you. Thank you for man. taking our call. Uh, look, let, let's talk about, I mean, what what is it that one avoids? What are some of the costly decisions that uh, people make uh, that would uh, be even more detrimental to the divorce proceeding?
1: I think, um, you know, it's actually not necessarily only limited to divorce cases, but in any civil matter, people tend to um, litigate about principles. I think the short answer is don't litigate with your heart, you need to litigate with with your mind and, and base decisions on the financial implications that a decision will have rather than whether in principle it is the correct decision or not.
0: Maybe give us practical examples of what you mean, what to avoid when even deciding that you are going to be filing for divorce.
1: Well, if I can give you a practical example, um, you'll often have um, a party coming in and they want to litigate over the primary care of a a child or children. Mm -hmm. So if you take them, there's obviously certain factors um, that a court will take into consideration and a certain process that follows if there's a huge dispute over the primary care of children. But often if you consult with a client, it's quite obvious from the consultation you know, where primary care will go. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those um, factors would be, for instance, that um, the mother has been a housewife, she's been raising the children from birth for the past eight years already, the husband works, etc., um, etc., cetera, et cetera. and that position is not going to change after the divorce. So it's quite obvious that in a situation like that, the court is now not all of a sudden going to say, oh, no, the children's going to go and live with the dad. Mm-hmm. Often you have parties that's already been separated for a while with the children living, for instance, with the mom and the dad already having, you know, contact with them. And But then you now have the husband coming in saying, now he wants to fight primary care. Mm-hmm. That is a, this is a decision you're making based on a principle, which I can tell you from day one, you're going in all probability going to be unsuccessful. And it's going to cost you a lot of money in the end. Um Yes, rather than making a decision you know um, with your mind in saying well realistically speaking what are my chances to be successful on this specific aspect in the divorce mm-hmm. um, my attorney is advising me my chances aren't well, well then I think at the end of the day it probably also boils down to trusting the advice you're receiving from your attorney and I think that is why it's so important for people and perhaps this it's one of the do's that I can give you, is please, if you are going to get divorced, go to an attorney that specializes in a divorce. Mm. I always tell clients, and I actually took this from an advocate many years ago, who usually says to clients, if you just had a heart attack now, are you going to call your GP or are you going to call a heart specialist to to operate on you and give you a bypass, um, a heart... um, you know heart operation the same applies in law if you're getting divorced go to someone that specializes in a divorce rather than an attorney that specializes for instance in commercial law or general litigation or something like that that in the end will also save you a lot of money because you're going to deal with someone that specializes in that field of um, litigation that's got many years of experience and they can give you the correct advice advice that you can trust.
0: So I'm speaking uh, from a lay perspective here when I say don't get pregnant. How could this complicate um, things further during a divorce?
1: Are oh, you now saying uh, getting pregnant with your husband or getting pregnant uh, with by someone
0: else? Um, because obviously it won't be your husband when you're already in <laughs> conflict.
1: No, well, that happens too. Unfortunately, sometimes people wake up and then they break up again. But anyway, okay, so don't fall pregnant with a third party. Um, <clears throat> Well, it's a bit of a a difficult question to answer, um, but I'm going to try and break it down.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So if you've already... um, I I mean, I think it boils down to the question of have you now committed adultery, um, which of course you did commit if you're falling pregnant by a third party, but then the very um, important question is whether the adultery in itself was the sole reason for the breakdown of the marriage. Mm -hmm. If it was not, if you've already separated from your husband, you've not been living together for however long, and now you've entered into a relationship, clearly that relationship that you're entering into now was not the cause of the breakdown of your marriage. Uh So to that end, actually, falling pregnant will not make a difference. Um, It will make a difference if you now... In the marriage, your husband or your wife, well, no, your husband obviously, because the wife is falling pregnant. Your husband thinks, you know, in his mind, he's happily married,
0: mm-hmm. and then he's
1: one day surprised by you rocking up at home saying, Oh, well, I've actually had an affair and, and I fell pregnant. Then from that person's perspective, the sole cause of the breakdown of the marriage would be the adultery not so much falling pregnant but the adultery in that sense it will have an effect on the divorce because the innocent party will be able to claim that due to gross misconduct and the Mm. misconduct being adultery um and that is section nine of the divorce act um the the guilty party if i can and i'm talking putting it in inverted commas um the court must allow for a forfeiture of assets um, you know, in a sense to punish that party. Sure. But that's, that's a very difficult debate, actually and a very relevant debate at the moment in South Africa. Mm. Because on the one hand, we have the Divorce Act, that when that act came was promulgated in 1979, <clears throat> it did away with the false system as a ground for divorce. In other words, that there's a guilty and an innocent party in a divorce. But then that same act, Go further with Section three, uh, Section Nine, where you still have this type of punishment element. Yeah. And at the moment, that is a big debate um, that you can see coming out in our in our most recent cases. Because a lot of cases at the moment is commenting and recognizing that it's very seldom that a marriage would break down solely due to the conduct of one party.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because um, it does indeed you know, take two to tango. Let, let's yeah. pay the bills, and uh, you'll conclude that uh, comment uh, when we return. And uh, this is SAFM Radio. Call Chris Zelda now, 0891-104-207. And we also welcome your uh, comments at uh, SAFM Radio, both on Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Lifetime Live is our uh, hashtag. And having a conversation right now, uh, looking at the do's and don'ts whilst going through a divorce. Um, we took a break uh, there, and uh, joining me in studio on the line is uh, Moya Rosso, who is a Director of uh, Family Law. As as you were concluding that uh, uh, insight, Moya?
1: Yes, I think we're in it all where I said that, you know, we have many. And very recent cases, I'm talking about, you know, cases from 2015 to date, mm-hmm. recognising that it's very seldom that marriage or in a marriage the sole breakdown is due to misconduct of a party. Mm. And that, sec- that section 9 that I was speaking about earlier is actually outdated because it is aimed at punishing a party, which is kind of contrary to the Divorce Act doing away with this idea of that there's a guilty and, a, and an innocent party in a divorce. And then, of course, we had the groundbreaking um, Constitutional Court case in 2014-2015 that said that Section 9 is archaic and it's outdated as it's aimed at punishing a party. Mm. And just as a side, you know, in that case, it was groundbreaking in the sense that the court, the Constitutional Court, did away with the electoral claim um, a party would have had for damages against, you know, the third party with whom your spouse has had an affair. So that uh-huh. was actually what that case was about. But again, a very interesting case to look at, at the comments about, um, you know, the fault and punishment and guilty and innocent party. The court also said that, um, you know, um, they looked at the attitude of, um, of of the public in general, nationally and internationally, and trained on these type of issues and that, that the public's attitude actually demonstrates a repugnance towards the state interfering in intimate personal affairs of individuals so i think it's going to be fairly soon in legal terms where we actually go to have facts of, um, of amendment of section 9 to completely do away with that element of misconduct
0: Mm. and and I've got an, an SMS uh, from Kancho saying, uh, "Can the party's erotic nudes uh, posted to another um, uh, whilst flatting be the basis to file for divorce?"
1: Sorry, just say that again. Are you saying if they if you find messages between your spouse and a third party? Yeah. Yes, of course. But again, we're coming back to the question of uh, because obviously that would. Um, you'll be able to use that as evidence in proving the the adulterous relationship. Mm -hmm. But again, the the, the big onus or big hurdle to to come over is not so much proving that there was an affair or that adultery was committed, Mm. but to prove that the court, that the the sole reason why we are getting divorced is because of the adultery, not because there was other, you know, problems in the marriage. And often in my experience, and I've been doing divorces for many, many years, mm. by the time, you know, someone's having an affair, that's actually a symptom of bigger problems in the marriage. You know, people start looking towards or fall into the arms of third parties because there's other issues in the marriage, existing issues in the marriage already that made them unhappy to go, you know, out there and look at the proverbial um, grass that's greener on the other side.
0: Yeah. And uh, we've also got a tweet from Yolisa Nzuta. Uh, Yolisa says, as a practicing attorney, I always advise uh, clients to consider mediation before referring the matter to court.
1: Yes, there is. I'm also an accredited mediator. So, and as a as a practitioner, um, especially where there's children concerned, um, and in terms of the Children's Act, you are compelled to first claim to... to You know, resolve issues um, by way of mediation. Mm -hmm. Often, you know, there's there's a lot of factors um, that again plays a role in getting parties to mediation. I mean, the mediation is never going to be successful if one or either party simply is uncooperative towards the process. So you always, you often have that um, problem. Um, And also um, with with children, where these children divorce. Um, there's certain um, aspects of disputes that cannot be mediated. Something like primary care yeah. that cannot be mediated because, you know, the husband says, I want the children, the wife says, she wants the children. You know, the mediator can't be Solomon and, and cut the children in half. Yeah. Um, if there's a dispute about that, then that needs to get, uh, be referred to experts, which are usually psychologists or the family advocate to say, well, what is you Know in the children's best interest, where should they be staying?
0: What happens when uh, one of the parties actually forgets to change the will?
1: Yes, well, don't do that <laughs> <laughs> uh, now. Of course, now, and you know, it's, it's funny to ask that question actually many years ago when I was still practicing in Cape Town. We had to map where the parties were extremely wealthy mm. and. Um, and the divorce literally carried on for about five years and it was, you know, it was really one of those matters where they were litigating on principle, but of course they had the finances to litigate on on, on principles. And then one day we got the school to, to tell us that the husband, we were acting for the wife, to tell us the husband passed away, all of a sudden, you know, I think it was a heart attack. And lo and behold, he didn't change his as well, and the wife whom he wanted to divorce and inherited everything he hated so much. She got everything in terms of the <laughs> So yes,
0: that can happen. <laughs> uh, maybe we shouldn't laugh, um, but you know, yeah. just remember not to do this. Uh, we we taking the news uh, headlines right now, and uh, we continue having this conversation. Thank you so much uh, for taking our call, uh, Moya Rousseau who is a uh, director of family law and uh, from the Grain. Uh, grave uh, graven stain, uh, graven stainless attorneys. we back after this.
1: Here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> SAFM, S-A-F-M. 106.2 FM in Tohoyando.
0: And I guess a bit of advice there, um, Moya, for some of the families uh, on on what it is that they can um, do and not do uh, when there's bereavement. I mean, imagine as a wife having to go and interdict um, because you're barred from uh, bearing uh, what you regarded as a husband. Yes. Sure. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Um,
1: I was just um, thinking um, whilst you were doing the headlines, um, of course, it's. Perhaps just to get, uh, you know, return to this, um, changing your will. Mm-hmm. Look, in principle, you can change your will once a week if you want to. So a divorce shouldn't, uh, people shouldn't think that uh, I must wait after the divorce and now I can only change my, my, my will. Mm-hmm. You can change your will immediately. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not something that should, uh, the public should think of as, uh, something that can only be changed after the
0: divorce has been granted and in some instances uh, and I'm sure that uh, you might have examples of such cases where in uh, as, as the divorce lawyer you get to a place where you become intimate with your client
1: is that allowed um, now of course it's not allowed <laughs> um, but yes I think I think a difficult for, for clients is often that you know, they um, have to share so much intimate details about their relationship, mm. their household, their children with you, that they tend to, you know, at a very fast pace, become very attached to their attorney. Yeah. And almost because you're dealing or, um sharing all of those intimate details, almost, you know, starting to see your attorney, you know, as a confidant or a friend or or someone you can confide in i mean i try and avoid that as far as possible um and i mean most of my clients coming in depending on you know where they are emotionally um in in processing the divorce and the breakdown of the marriage i immediately refer them to a psychologist and Mm. i I tell them straightforward: i'm here to give you objective legal advice in your best interest and in your children's best interest if there's children involved I'm not here to give you emotional adv- advice or be your crutch emotionally. For that, these other experts, which are psychologists or therapists.
0: Sure. And and it would be very um, important to draw those lines that they're not blurred.
1: Exactly. Because, I mean, if you get over-involved with your clients, you know, even just from a friendship or emotional points of view, I mean, you cannot, you're going to lose your objectivity, and that, that's what you, that, that's your purpose. So that's what you're being paid for, is to give objective
0: yeah. advice. So during the process, uh, can one, uh, I mean, you, you already have uh, an estate that is uh, calculated and you go and open more debt?
1: Yes, well, that's going to depend on your marital system. Either you married um, in community of property or out of community of property if you're married out of community of property you can go and incur as much debt as you will mm. and it will stay it will stay your debt and your responsibility and your creditors is going to come and knock at your door if you do not pay it it's not having any effect on you know your spouse other than um, and here I have to qualify it um, if you're married out of community of property you cannot go all of a sudden um, and go and incur huge amounts of debts, like, in, you know, taking out a huge mortgage bond on a house, or go and lend 100000 rands from the bank to set up a business, because that will have a detrimental effect on your spouse's, um, if you married out of community property with the accrual, mm. on that person's accrual claim against your estate. And you can, in those instances, um that party can interdict you from then incurring those debts. In a marriage, in community of property, of course, any debt that you're incurring right up until date of divorce forms part of the joint estate and will be taken into account. So um, the, the, the law says that the determination of you know the value of the estates and who gets what or in an accrual claim is as at date of divorce. Sure. So, not earlier. Even if the divorce takes five years, unless you and your spouse, or um, preferably um, you, your your the respective attorneys agree in writing mm. that you're going to draw a line in the sand and say, "Okay, well, even though we might only be able to get divorced in a year's time, as of today's date, we're drawing the line. This is where we, you know, the calculation will stop."
0: Moya, is there uh, contact details where uh, individuals listening to this conversation uh, would like to just, uh, uh, you know, maybe seek assistance uh, further on this topic, where they can find
1: you? They can find us at, um, or find me on our website. It's www.gravenstains.co.za. And my direct email address is Moya, M-O-Y-A, at gravenstains.co.za.
0: And I'm sure you've had someone calling you, uh, thinking Moya, and speaking to you in Sizul. Thank you. <laughs> 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 thank you, thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, Moya Rosso, who is director of family law at uh, Gravenstains uh, Attorneys, and uh, talking to us about the do's and don'ts whilst going through a divorce. And uh, coming up next, we are going to—it's uh, a history lesson, a history lesson—and we are going to talk about Mr. Peckboth. Uh, um, but we begin our conversation with Bongesizwe, Bongesizwe Mabanda, saying Umli Louis